We go to Wellington now where uh, Colin Peacock is there for Midweek Media Watch. Hi Colin. Hi Karen. How's life? Yeah, not too bad, not too what, bad. What were you like at the hula hoop? Uh, <clears throat> extremely inept, not my chosen uh, speciality <laughs> there. Probably, you know, the artistic impression I might have got, got along with, but, you know, the basics, I think, you know, two, two to three out of ten. You know, they've changed a lot these days too. There used to be like kind of, was it bamboo or something like that? Now they're just amazing multicolored plastic things. Yeah, I remember with a big uh, big old staple in them, we've got a set for our kids, but I remember the old school types here. Yeah, there were bamboo sort of heavily lacquered with a great kind of rod joining them up at one end. And some of them would be so old, they'd start to fray, um, which, you know, which, which didn't help my technique. Maybe I can blame, you know, the shoddy frayed uh, old bamboo hula hoops for my lack of proficiency. Uh, maybe. All right. Well, let's talk about the Prime Minister refusing to go on Newstalk ZB every Monday. Is this a big deal? Well, I've, I've been interviewed surprisingly by the BBC about this in the UK and also the UK-based Guardian. They must have assumed there was international interest, but that's probably more their interest in Jacinda Ardern than the actual significance for New Zealand media. I mean, Jacinda Ardern, as people will know after this came up, on Monday, we'll say, uh, look, she's still going to be available, and so will her senior ministers, uh, as much as they ever were, um, but just not every Monday. doesn't suit her schedule and her idea of spreading herself around the media anymore. So we'll see if uh, she really does front up as often um, or frequently uh, on uh, the Mike Hoskin breakfast on News Talk ZB. But uh, Mike's ZB colleagues certainly made a big deal of it. Political editor Barry Soper at ZB launched um, quite a strongly worded opinion piece where he called her the accidental prime minister, wound a few people up, some of her uh, supporters. Um, he said she's the master of soft and flattering interviews, TV chat shows. She doesn't like the tough questions. Uh, she doesn't have a, a common touch like John Key did. She's distant to journalists. In fact, a, a lot of it was about how John Key was great with journalists and and she wasn't. Um, and a lot of people reacted very badly to this. And another of um, Mike Hosking's ZB colleagues, Heather Duplessy Allen on The Drive Show, uh, she made this point uh, on Monday when the news was announced um, that... Prime Minister had effectively brought to an end a slot, a tradition that had lasted for 34 years. Holmes, Longy, Douglas, Moore, Bolger, Shipley, Clark, Key, English. Those are a lot of Prime Ministers who were prepared to front up and be held accountable. It's a long line of democratic history that Jacinda Ardern has ended. It's actually not hosking that the Prime Minister is no longer speaking too weakly. It's voters, it's me and you. It's the single biggest catchment of voters listening to commercial radio in the morning. Yeah, so there, Holmes. Uh, uh, yeah, Holmes had made it <laughs> putting him in the right, uh, lineup with all those prime ministers made it sound as though she was elevating him to um, prime minister. Of course, that wasn't the point she was making. Holmes was Hosking's predecessor, so he took part in those discussions along with all those uh, former PMs. Uh, but I guess the point is that Ardern has clearly calculated she doesn't need to reach that audience via him uh, anymore, and I guess she hopes that anyone who thinks. Uh, she's not being accountable, will be reassured that, you know, when the issue demands it, uh, she will be uh, up there on on the programme. And so is Hosking himself upset about it? 
Well, not so much. And that was the interesting thing he said himself when he uh, he announced this on Monday, which was the first day when she would have been expected to take part and didn't, uh, that he could kind of take it or leave it because he said the interviews weren't great. He said she comes on, she doesn't say a lot, it's obfuscation, he said. Um, but this is also strange because same breath, you know, Mike Hosking also claimed that he had her number, um, he had found her out, tripped her up time and time again, and that other journalists, he called them uh, sycophantic, uh, a lot of them, he said uh, their questions were easily dispatched to the boundary without appeal uh, by the Prime Minister, which is sort of a bit of a mixed cricketing metaphor because I don't think you need an appeal if you get the ball to the boundary. Anyhow, <laughs> you know, he was saying he was one of the few, if not the only one, who would ask her tough questions. So looking really down his nose at the rest of the, the media on this. So, I mean, if that's true and he had this ability to expose the PM like this, why would he say that they weren't enlightening and uh, not worth doing? But... Interestingly, he did say management wasn't happy at ZB um, and that this decision was actually communicated to them by the Prime Minister's office uh, about a month ago, which the Prime Minister also confirmed uh, when she was asked about this in the post-Cabinet um, press briefing on uh, later on Monday. Um, so, I mean, if it's that much of a big deal to ZB and they think the Prime Minister is dodging accountability and all of Mike Hosking's on peers are upset about this, um, why didn't they make an issue of it a month ago when they were first told? They could have put pressure on the government there and you made a bit of a campaign about it and maybe you know if they'd been able to force a change, they would have looked really good, but instead um, they didn't say a thing. So Mike Hosking and his colleagues at ZB say it's about avoiding hard questions and accountability. Is it? Well... Um, possibly. I mean, Mike Hosking's questions were confrontational, often kind of hostile, but most times I heard the slot, didn't hear it every Monday, but Jacinda Ardern seemed to handle it okay. I mean, at times by, as Mike Hosking said, not saying a lot by kind of deflecting, but, you know, that's what prime ministers do, and she wouldn't be the, the first one uh, to handle interviews that way when they were uncomfortable or, um, you know, persistent. But... Um, on one of the regular, interview, uh, regular interviews she is still doing, which is uh, Tuesday mornings on RNZ's Morning Report, uh, Susie Ferguson asked Jacinda Ardern um, if she had indeed singled out uh, News Talk ZB and specifically Mike Hosking. No one has ever been able to do every media outlet. We can't, you know, these last two weeks I did 21 media interviews and even then I wouldn't have touched the sides of all the different media mm. outlets. What I've tried to do is so take a look at where, you know, different audiences, often, you know, the people that might listen to ZB are also consuming news out of the Herald and so on. There are some parts Okay, so who are you, which, which programs are you going to go there. on instead? that I might reach there, who I might not reach anywhere else. I don't do nearly as much, for instance, ethnic media. I don't do nearly as much media that cross a, a different demographics of New Zealand. And I feel like I need to do a better job of that, and that's what I'll be doing. Yeah, so I don't think your critics will be convinced that this rejig has not at least in part been designed to uh, relieve her of the burden of having to get, uh, be confronted by Mike Hosking every Monday on the Mike Hosking Breakfast on ZB. But it will be interesting to see if she does stick to that because I guess, you know, with ethnic media, the audiences are, you know, by definition smaller. Uh, their niche audiences, the received wisdom for, you know, br brutally uh, calculating political spin operations is, you know, talk to the big audiences, talk to the people you need to get to. So if she genuinely does that and spread out her communication with other groups of New Zealanders rather than just mass radio audiences 
whether they're on music stations or uh, talk radio, uh, public or private, it will be interesting to see if she actually does stick to that. Why would she take the risk of appearing to run scared of Mike Hosking or tough questions? Well, possibly because she just thought thought it wasn't worth the trouble. I mean, I'm told that uh, from talking to press officers that um, ZB is the only outlet that didn't actually give the Prime Minister's office some sort of heads up about the likely topics for interview in those weekly sessions. Um, is, that, is that recent or is this with this Prime Minister? Yes, I, I believe so. I believe so. Um, but I mean, that, well, actually it could be for previous Prime Ministers I as well. I don't think so because um, when I worked at uh, Kiwi FM, I spoke for many years to Helen Clark and John Key and on a Monday and a part of that round on a Monday and they did not at all demand to know what the questions were going to be asked. Well, that's interesting. But if if it is outstanding for that reason, it would make it harder. Like if you were just the cabinet minister with two or three portfolios, you could pretty much anticipate what what would come up or it'd be easier to define. If you're prime minister and you have no heads up whatsoever, the questions could be about anything. That would be pretty difficult. But like, you know, Mike Hosking's questions were challenging. They were probing. Uh, He would be confrontational, but they weren't beyond the bounds of acceptability often or anything like that. But when he says, you know, he said, uh, I think these are his words, you know, I'm, I'm disappointed that she's unwilling to come on and fight her, her corner. You know, that's after he claimed she was running for the hills and running scared. But you know, actually, it's more like he, she was coming into his corner because, you know, unlike those other shows, Mike Hosking writes editorials that he voices up, he airs on the show, which, you know, so at least one or two of those are out before the prime minister comes on. Then, so she's effectively answering questions a lot of the time about, uh, you know, a theory or a construct that Mike Hosking had he presented as his own firmly and sincerely held opinion. And frequently, you know, he's not an admirer of the prime minister or this government. He made that absolutely clear um, in a way that with John Key and his government, he often approved of the way Key was handling things. So it was very different, um, very different vibe to those interviews. And then... After the interview, and uh, indeed, as he did when he empty-chaired uh, Jacinda Ardern on Monday, read out streams of feedback from people largely following the lead of Mike's editorial and his own opinions on it. So, you know, and at that point, you know, he would often do it after an interview with the Prime Minister. He would then give his own interpretation. Well, that was a poor performance. You didn't answer this. Didn't. Clearly, they haven't got an answer for that. And at this point, obviously, the Prime Minister can't um, answer back or respond to it. So... I'm guessing, and I don't know, and they're obviously saying it's nothing to do with this, but, you know, it'd be highly likely that if you were the Prime Minister, you're coming off air and thinking, well, do I really need this um, to be interviewed in this way? Tim Murphy, uh, former Herald editor and current co-editor at newsroom.co.nz on Twitter, he called it uh, the weekly hectoring and was not actually at all surprised that the Prime Minister had made this uh, decision. Well, Colin, we've got quite a few topics to get through tonight. I'm really interested in them all, but uh, we've got the further fallout from NZME banning Dr Michael Bassett this week, and I do want to quickly also have a comment on the possibility of a a right-leaning Fox News media here in New Zealand. But this um, Dr Michael Bassett story, can you give us a recap on that? Yeah, so just briefly, I mean, so last week NZME said a column by Dr Bassett that had appeared in the Northland Age newspaper, so a local paper owned by NZME, the Herald's publisher, was unacceptable. It had also appeared once it had been in print on the Herald's website, and uh, it was headlined "Racism on a Grand Scale" um, and uh, bemoaned what, what uh, Dr. Bassett called the bizarre craze of embracing Maori culture. Um, so, 
uh, Shane Curry, the chief editor at NZME, said it failed all our standards, shouldn't have been published, and that got quite a bit of publicity. Um, but this week, uh, Dr. Bassett himself um, has his own blog that he shares with Don Brash and Rodney Hyde, um, and he shared some details about how, uh, according to him, uh, this went down. And we don't often see this, a contributor um, kind of saying what goes on behind the scenes with, a, with an editor and a publication. So he said uh, that this had already been published on his own blog. It had a rather more mild headline, New Zealand's Modern Cultural Cringe. So that up online without uh, great offence, uh, possibly not even being noticed a whole lot. Uh, and then it was the editor of the Northern Age newspaper, a guy called Peter Jackson, who asked Dr. Bassett if he could publish the article. And Bassett said he had no idea it would appear on the Herald's website. He said once it did, a complaint was made very quickly by an offended reader who saw it online. And he claims that uh, Shane Curry took just minutes to tell the Herald's editor, Murray Kirkness, and the Northern Advocates editor, Rachel Ward, to review this urgently. And Michael Bassett reckons that this column is then off the Herald's website within an hour with an apology in its place. Um, and that shortly after that, the, uh, that afternoon, he was told by the Northern Advocates editor uh, that um, uh, NZME shouldn't have published it and uh, they won't be publishing any more of your columns. So fairly swift reaction. And I suppose what it shows is that um, it's that association with the Herald masthead. So anything under NZME's banner could end up appearing online on the Herald, uh, Herald website. And that's when people notice it. And that's, I guess, when um, the Herald decided uh, it was time to take action. I think with the Herald saying we will review this to make sure this sort of thing can't happen again, that means that the editors of their local papers, I'm guessing, are going to have a lot less freedom to publish contributions on contentious topics in the future. Has NZME been criticised for that? Like it's a red rag to the free speech lobbyist? Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, for a start, it was pretty clearly labelled as an opinion piece, right? So it's got Dr. Bassett's photo on it, and it's on the op-ed page of the paper. So NZME, you know, had usually the argument as well, it'll annoy some people, but we could publish a rebuttal or a counterpiece later on, which in fact um, the Herald uh, did on its website, and, and The Age did as well. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's it's surprising that they took this position, you know, so, so quickly. Um, I mean, the content was, was pretty out there, so maybe they just decided it was so offensive and the people who complained that it was, um, you know, racist uh, were, you know, had a strong enough point that it really deserved to be taken down that quickly. But, you know, Dr. Bassett himself on his blog pointed out um in a sense, this is a bit of a storm in a teacup. You know, there are plenty of other ways for people to access my articles and those of my, my colleagues on the blog site, but um, he thinks that they responded that quickly that the Herald um, lacks backbone and a former, uh, a fellow rather, um, member of the, of the Free Speech Coalition, uh, political pundit Chris Trotter, was much more upset about this and he thinks the Herald have kind of abandoned their readers, many of whom would have agreed with or been interested in Dr. Bassett's views, and uh, that they're kind of, uh, you know, just just, uh, abandoning them. And he says uh, in his uh, online comment um, that wheels are already in motion to set up New Zealand's very own equivalent of the Fox News network, back as described as having very deep pockets, are determined to set up right-wing media alternatives as fair and balanced uh, in, in competition with RNZ Stuff, MediaWorks, and now, he says, the New Zealand Herald.
Mm. Well, who's got pockets that deep? No, I don't know. But I mean, you know, it, there are others who have said this in the past. It's it's never happened. Uh, it may be that some sort of, uh, we've had right and left leaning blogs, we still have them. Maybe people are planning a souped up version of that. Sean Plunkett, who decided to leave the Magic Talk Station, has talked about being involved with projects to get something like this that don't exclude um, you know, uh, people who you know might uh, might not be in the same elite classes as uh, editors and journalists and so on. So we'll see if anything comes of it. Um, but uh, you know, even in the UK, people are saying that um, uh, Piers Morgan walked out on his TV show spectacular, yes, got a lot of headlines. That? Yeah, and a lot of people are saying, ah, that's actually a career move because he is likely to bail out and uh, join the. It's called the GB News, which is a new uh, Fox described as a potential Fox style uh, of outlet in the UK. One of the backers of that, incidentally, has been named as um, a New Zealand-born billionaire uh, and pro-Brexit campaigner and donor, Christopher Chandler. Um, And that is already getting quite a lot of press. Um, I believe the former former Murdoch journalist, New Zealander Dan Wootton, who cut his teeth in showbiz and is now a, a opinionated uh, broadcaster on talk radio and talk TV. Was he? Over he there was right, part of it. So, right amongst the Johnny Depp case, wasn't he? Yes, well, he was. I mean, that's that's his showbiz roots, but he's I've seen him, uh, you know, he's uh, in video doing long uh, in-vision uh, talk radio things that also go, go out as videos. Uh, he's been arguing against lockdown, urging uh, the Johnson government to have courage and open... Uh, open up um, restrictions there so businesses can open and so on. So, you know, quite provocative stuff. So if uh, the this GB News does take that stance and does have big backers, that could end up being something that would inspire others in other countries to have a look at it. But right, we'll Colin, have to see. We've got to go, Colin. We're coming right up to the 11 o'clock news. But thank you very much. We'll catch you in a couple of weeks. Okay, doke. See you then.